0: It's always an honor to be able to come up here and share something that the Lord has given to me or to anybody that's, that's, that's invited to come up to this sacred po- podium and share what God is doing in their life. Uh, I work a full-time job, and I'm not able to get here to the prayer meeting on Tuesday morning very often. But this this week I'm taking a staycation. You know what a staycation is? It's when you're you're getting paid for doing nothing and staying home and doing a whole bunch of stuff. So that's what a staycation is. So I'm enjoying a staycation where I don't have to get up in the morning. But, you know, I'm still up at 5 o'clock in the morning because I'm so used to it. But I was able to come Tuesday yesterday to the prayer meeting. And with a specific purpose in mind, my wife is not doing, I mean, she's doing well, but she's not doing well. But pray for my wife, Yolanda. Anyway, with that said, that prayer mean I guess it was about 25 to 28 people here yesterday morning. And there were some words of, of wisdom spoken. There were some prayers of humility, some prayers of blessing, prayers of faith prayers of healing, prayers of, of of redemption, prayers of of deliverance, and I was, I was, I'm not shaking in my boots, but my, the hair on the back of my neck, and I shaved it off today so it wouldn't do that today, but the, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up at one point during that prayer service yesterday, and I, 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 I kind of remember what I'm, i, I I believe people were healed yesterday in this prayer meeting. Not just the ones that were in this prayer meeting, but I believe people were healed because of the prayers of the righteous that were here praying for those people. I believe there was people who were delivered in that prayer meeting yesterday. I believe marriages could be changed or have been changed because of the prayer meeting that we have. And I think I made a statement yesterday that there's a whole bunch of these groups going on all over this country, different churches. I believe that. I believe people are meeting possibly even at the same moments that we met yesterday and every Tuesday. And I believe salvations are happening. And I believe people's lives are being changed every single day. I believe people are being healed by the power of God. I believe marriages are being saved by the power of God. I believe people are being delivered from all kinds of stuff by the power of God. Even if we can't make it to the meeting on Tuesday morning, we can still pray as if we are in the meeting on Tuesday morning. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. I'd like to share a message this morning of you ever hear of that movie, It's a Wonderful Life? <laughs> well you know, as I was preparing for this, now this is a message I have I have shared before. Not here, but in my past as a pastor. But, you know, we have a wonderful life, but we have a blessed life, don't we? And I'm going to be speaking from uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and I'm going to preach the whole chapter. So we'll be here for a little while. You can get before breakfast. We'll be done. The book literally has been divided up into six parts. And how many chapters are in this book? There's six. Isn't that amazing how God works? Isn't that amazing how how he has divided it up so we can chew on it in small bits and pieces? And I believe that's the way the Holy Spirit intended it. I know it it wasn't originally written that way. It wasn't divided up into chapters and verse. But God allowed that to happen just so people like us could understand it. I believe that. So in the first chapter, we have the blessings that we have as Christians. Man, I am blessed being a Christian. We've been blessed in every spiritual blessing, and I'm going to share that in just a minute because I'm going to read the whole chapter of Ephesians 1 for us. In the second chapter, we have a body, a spiritual body. We're made alive. We were once dead in our trespasses and sins. And now we have been made alive. Now this body is going to fail me one day if the Lord tarries. Personally, I think he's coming back before I'm done. Not the message, but I think he's coming back before my life is done. I do. I believe we're living in the end day. You notice I didn't say end days. I said, end day. We are living near the end, is what I mean. In the third chapter, we have the building. We're followers. We're uh, fellow heirs in Christ, the church. We are heirs of Christ. And I'll explain a little bit later on that what that means. And we're to walk worthy in chapter 4. Wow. There's a job we have to do, isn't there? There's a mission that we are set to accomplish in this life. It doesn't matter who you are or how you feel or what you think. Each one of us, if you're born again, if you have Jesus Christ living in your heart, you have a godly mission already planned before the foundation of the world. Before we were even thought of by our, our parents. Before our parents were even thought of. Before their parents. You get the progression there, don't you? And then we're the bride of Christ. Chapter 5. We're to walk worthy Christian, or we're holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. That's us. We may not always look it or feel it, but that's what God sees in us. We're holy and blameless in His sight. So we're to walk holy and blameless. We're to walk in love. We're to walk in His light. We're to walk carefully. We're to walk in harmony. And in chapter 6, it caps it off by giving us the the warfare, the the, the armor that we need to live in this wicked world. That we live in. So when you read it, when you read the book with that kind of an understanding, it kind of really breaks it down. But the hard part, as you read it, and some of you, as you literally study it, are you believing it? Are you you get it up here? But are you getting? That's when it starts to get traction. That's when people start really seeing a difference in your life. That's when you are realizing that you are a witness. And let me tell you, even when you're not walking in the light, you're a witness. You're affecting somebody's life. You're influencing somebody's life, either to the good, which I hope, or to the negative, to the bad. So, we are our brother's keeper. Wouldn't you agree? We have blessings from the Father. And what I'm doing to set this evening for a few minutes is I'm going to try to get us back to the basics. Now, I know several of us in here were in the military. When I was in basic training, they put us at the gun range. But before we could shoot our M16s, they made us know how to take them apart, put them together, load them, and shoot them without shooting somebody else. That was important, don't you think? In that venue, it sure was. So they made us take it apart 10 or 12 times. Now, I was in the Air Force. There was no real wars going on. There was nothing going on around the world, really, a whole lot. So when I had firing duty range, range duty or whatever you call it, it was only two days. So it wasn't like the Army or the Marines or some of the other branches that would be out there for weeks at a time shooting and and preparing to go to war. It wasn't like that when I went in, in the Air Force. So we had one day dry fire, which was no bullets. That's when they taught us how to take the the guns apart and put them back together. And then the next day we had... Wet fire, which means we had real live ammunition, and we had 75 rounds. And once we were done our 75 rounds, you either passed or failed. And it really didn't matter if you failed. I mean, I passed. They called me a marksman. But it wasn't the point. The point was I had to learn the very basics of that piece of equipment. When I was in college, I played college tennis. I learned how to play tennis in the Air Force. Because there was really nothing going on. I I had my job and I went out and played tennis all day long after work. So I got pretty good at it. Well, when I got to college, I missed the scholarship by one day when I made the team. Anyway, we had to practice the basics every single day, every practice. We had to do our our backhands, we had to do our serves. And then I played competitive racquetball for about 10 or 12 years up in Pennsylvania. And I would go in the morning at 5 o'clock when the gym opened, and I'd be in the, in the racquetball court just practicing. And nobody came until 6. And I was there at 5. Nobody was there. It was just me and the little racquet and the racquetball. I got pretty good because I learned the basics. Now, you put me in a racquetball court or on a tennis court today without practice, listen, five minutes maybe, <sighs> that's about all I'm going to last. So, I would have to practice for a year or two before I'd be ready for a match. But, but we have to learn the basics. The same with Christianity. The same with our walk with the Lord. Man, when you first get saved, man, you said that prayer of, of redemption. You invited Christ to come into your life and you learn a few things about, about how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be good, not bad anymore. You're supposed to change your attitude. This, all this stuff. And a lot of times, Christians... Well-meaning Christians, that's where they stop. They don't learn the basics. The reason for the basics are for us, as we learn them, when we do them enough, when we practice them enough, we do it without thinking, don't we? Man, I I could hit a backhand and a good serve every time. Because I practiced. As a young Christian, I was getting angry a lot. And I went and saw a psychologist one day, a Christian psychologist. He was a friend of the church, so, you know, it was just the right thing to do. He said, you've got to practice not being angry. Have you ever had to practice something to not do it anymore? I had to. And you know what? For about two weeks, I had to set my mind. Okay, I'm not going to get mad at the kids. When I get home, I don't care if their books are on the steps. I don't care if I have to skip two steps just to miss them, not to say a word. For ten minutes. Well the first day, I got up two steps and I was done. The second day, I got upstairs and I blew up at Yolanda. Why the way, these kids do what they're But you know, That kind of stuff. But you know, after about three or four days, it was ten or fifteen minutes before I even thought about having to miss the steps because their books or whatever it was they were not doing that I wanted them to do every day. And then finally, I forgot when the last time was because they started doing that stuff. Because after 10 minutes, that was my goal. After 10 minutes, I would say, hey, guys, tune up this mess. Lo and behold, what did they do? But I had to practice that. It had to become a part of my life. I'm proud to say that I haven't been angry since. Don't believe that. See the, 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 the realization, the understanding of, of knowing the basics. It's always good to go back to, isn't it? So Ephesians chapter 1, if you will. Starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here we go. Paul, the author of this book, is praising God. Blessed be to you, God. Blessed be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is where it gets good. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Can you imagine how he's blessing us? I'm going to tell you in just a few minutes. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame. Before him in love, Hmm. having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In In him we have redemption through his blood. Amen. Here's another amen coming up. For forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure. Man, He's opened up the floodgates of understanding to us. He's opened up His wisdom so we could understand it, so we could live according to it. In this life, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, the which are on earth, in Him. He's referring to the end day. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of His will, the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. And it's His glory that he satisfied when we can say, In Him who also trusted after you heard the word of truth. For faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who in the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession that's us to the praise again of his blood. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See what he wants to give to us? The eyes of your understanding, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of it, the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, and power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which uh, which, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Thank you for your word. And I just pray, Lord, for your spirit to continue to fill each heart and each mind in this room. Father, your spirit teaches us. He he convicts us. He leads us. He guides us. And I just pray a special anointing today on each and every person that's here. Help us, Lord, to remember the basics. When we're, when we're walking and talking, not just with saved humanity, but also with lost humanity, in Jesus' name. So in, in the first couple verses, he talks about, starting in verse 3, he talks about that God has chosen us. Have you ever, when you were young, did you play like Sandlot baseball, Sandlot touch football and stuff? Now there was always two of the best guy or two of the best keeping it politically correct, two of the best players, if you will, were the captains of the team. How many of us were the last chosen? I was not always last, but I was never, ever first. So, and I, I didn't play that well, but I really enjoyed playing. And so, but it, it's, it's really tough sometimes to be the last guy chosen is not and, and 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 you know we would pick on those guys, unfortunately, when we were young. And there we Forgive me. He has But God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. He knew we were going to be here tonight. He knew you, you, we were going to be here yesterday and today, at prayer meeting. He knows if we're going to be here someday he knows who's going to be with him in glory he knows whose blood Christ, has, whose life Christ has already saved he knows these things Christ chose us he cho- God chose us in Christ by his grace, God did not choose us because of who we are and what we've accomplished he wouldn't do that, that wouldn't be right for him to do that, he chose us because he knows he can change us And none of us were worthy to be saved when we got saved. He did it because he did it on the cross. He died for the sins of the world. Jesus did. In John chapter 6, verse 37, it says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Do you know Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Are you trying your best to walk with Jesus? Let Jesus walk with you. He not only chose us, and that's, that's kind of a general thing, is But he also adopted us. That's even better, isn't it? Man, I've been adopted. God elects us to be saints, set apart ones. Then he predestines that certain purposes in our lives shall come to pass. Now that word adoption today means a whole lot. If you're adopted into a family that you were not physically born into, that means you have the same rights and privileges of a child who is born into that family. It's a legal thing. Now, we still have to be taught, because a lot of children or a lot of people are, are adopted from babies, and they don't know anything. He not only chose us, ladies and gentlemen, He not only adopted us, which is even the next step, Accepted us because of what Christ has done in your life. When He sees us, He doesn't see the sin riddled body that it once was. He sees the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what He sees. He sees the righteousness of Christ, He sees the sinless life, He sees the bride. So he chose us from the foundation of the world. He went a step further and adopted us. And now we've really been accepted into his family. We ourselves are not acceptable to God, but in Christ we are made acceptable. So here's, I'm going to give you a list. If you want to write them down, feel free to write them down. These are the things that we have in Christ that we can literally walk in, that we can literally understand on a, a lot of these things I'm going to share with you, some of the things we have to practice, some of the things we have to get used to being a part, being in. Listen, we have His forgiveness. Amen. You know what? I think sometimes that's one of the hardest things for us to accept, is His forgiveness. Because some of us, not saying anybody in this room, But some of us may have done some pretty bad things. But it doesn't matter how bad we were. Christ has forgiven that. And we gotta walk in that. We gotta walk. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Praise God, I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you forgave me at the cross. You redeemed my life. You delivered me from sin. We have this salvation. Forgiveness and salvation, what more do you want? I want more. I want a lot more. We have his power. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Do we walk in that? I try to, I don't always. Those are some of the things we have to practice. Do we? We have his peace. It's the peace that passes all understanding in Christ Jesus. Peace. You know, Christians struggle a lot because they're not accepting possibly the forgiveness God has offered them and given to them. But they're, but they're not living the peace of God because they don't see how they can do it. They don't see how God can, can give them his peace. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it needs you need counseling to do this. If you need to talk to somebody, we got pastors here. We got a counselor on staff here. We have his presence, and lo, he says in Matthew, "I am with you till the end of the age." Wow, he's right next to me. We have his provision. He's the bread of life. He provides for us, doesn't he? We have his healing. We saw that take place yesterday. Before my brother passed, we did communion there in his hospital room. And he was on oxygen before he died. But this is how God rejuvenates did communion right there in the room. There was me and Yolanda, Rich, Beverly, my, my uh, younger brother, Lou, and his wife, Janine, and my other brother. So we were all there. All the brothers, 10 of us there. So I did the communion. And before we did the communion, he was on oxygen. And it was the full measure of oxygen that the machine could give him. It was literally breathing for him. He could hardly breathe. He could hardly speak. We did the communion. And within literally, I'm I'm telling you, within five or six minutes, he was up sitting on the side of the bed talking. He took the oxygen mask mask off. Well, the nurse did because the nurse said they lowered it and it showed that his body was getting more than it needed. Just in a few moments. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, he did eventually pass, but he got better for a couple of several, I think he even went home after that a couple days later. But healing, we can live in divine health, you know that? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him, through Jesus, might be saved. That's the next verse, 17. Hardly anybody knows that one. Everybody knows 316. But not many people know verse 17. His love. We have His love. And honestly, that's something we have to practice too, isn't it? He gives it to us abundantly. But are we giving it? Are we giving it out? We have His strength. Again, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We have His patience. I know that's a tough one, isn't it? That was something I've always been told, don't pray for. But we do. We need to, don't we? We have His mind. He changed my mind totally when I got saved. I knew things were wrong literally within days after I got saved. I knew certain attitudes that I had in my own life were wrong. Certain things I would say I knew were not pleasing to Him. Now, you've got to remember, I was raised in church, so some of the stuff was drilled into me growing up. But still, He changed my mind. He gave me a new mind. I shared this once before. I used to be bilingual. English and profane. I'm only English now. I don't speak any other language. But we have His Spirit as well. We have the Holy Spirit living within us we have this holy spirit teaching us leading us guiding us ministering to us and through us taking us places we never thought we'd go doing things we've never thought we would be doing teaching stuff we never thought we would be teaching leading His purpose. Sometimes we still need to figure that out for our lives. Then we have His Word, the Word of God. That, man, is sharper than any two-edged sword. Then we have <clears throat> His holiness and His righteousness. Wow. Those are things that are generated by Him and no one else. Those are things that He gives us that we can live in. So now in in chapter, in verse 7 through 12, it talks about the blessings of the Son. First blessing, He's redeemed us. He died on the cross for our sins. He's redeemed my soul. He's purchased it with that blood that He shed on the cross. Have you ever gone back to the cross and just wallowed in the same kind of feeling you had when you got saved. I do that often. I try to go back to that day I got saved. I know exactly where I was. I know exactly what I was doing. I know exactly where I was coming from. And I didn't know exactly where I was going after that. But I knew God changed my life. I had no idea what God was going to do with me. But I tell you what, within weeks, I was leading people to Jesus Christ. I was witnessing to everybody I came in touch with. Everybody I I talked to, I was witnessing to. I couldn't help it. I didn't know anything, but I couldn't help it. And people were responding to the call, and I would share. Now, not everybody got saved, of course not. But God gave me the opportunity to open my big mouth And talk. People would get used to that and they would see me coming, and you know what they would do? They would walk the other way because they didn't want the gospel again. I had an opportunity to share the gospel at about noontime this morning. Guy fixed my car and he started talking. I've never shut up. To be honest with you, I'm, I got my wife's in the car. Yolanda, she she dro- drove me over to get to pick up my car. And about thirty minutes into his conversation, because it was all him for the most part, talking about what kind of person he was and what he needed in his life, I barely got a word in edgewise. I said, "It's not who you walk with, except it's your relationship with Jesus." Hey, I don't want to hear that. So I didn't really get a chance to witness to him, but I did share. It's Jesus Christ that changes lives. I don't even remember how he opened up the conversation. He was just talking. Talking. He made he didn't make one comment. He said, Somebody told me I ought to be a preacher. I said, no, please don't. I didn't say that. I'm thinking to myself, no, no, you can't be a preacher. Not spewing that. You can't. Not a preacher of the gospel. But he's redeemed us by giving us his life on the cross. He purchased us from slavery of sin. We have victory over sin. We are no longer locked in the cage of our sin. We are no longer under the dominion of that penalty. It's like somebody came to my jail cell. Unlock the door and says, you're free to go. And by the way, I'm coming with you. It's the Holy Spirit. And you know what? For someone who doesn't, they just sit there. It's comfortable. But I've been redeemed. You've been redeemed if you know Jesus as your Savior. He has forgiven us. Forgiveness literally means to send it away. This was the first verse I ever learned we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. King James. He has revealed God's will to us. He has made known the mystery or he has made known to us his wisdom and prudence. The mystery of his will in his time and by the amount of faith that we have, he's giving to us. Not everybody sees stuff as I see it. There are many, 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 many in here that see Scripture more effectively than even I. Because my faith is still building. My faith is still growing. But one thing I know, I am saved. And I'm going to bust this roof open the same time you are. Amen? He has made us an inheritance. Wow. I'm going to close with that. Don't want to, but I am. He has made us an inheritance. We are not only inherited, we not only have an inheritance, but we are co-heirs with Christ. So that means everything that Christ has, we have. It's not divided. Into a gazillion parts. It's I own everything that he has. I can't wait to enjoy what I can enjoy of it here in this life, because we can't enjoy some of that, some of that blessing, some of that abundance in this life. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in glory. Can you close your eyes for a second? No, I still can't imagine. I've seen some pretty neat science fiction movies, too. I still can't imagine what it's going to be like in heaven. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives, all the the, the blessings that you've given to us. Father God, we, we, we praise your name. Bless you as Paul did it in, in most of his writings. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ and the cross, and the resurrection, and the ascension, and the advocacy we have, the protection we have against the adversary, the devil. We thank you for the power to overcome sin, to overcome temptation. We thank you for our eternal destiny in glory. We look forward to seeing you face to face. As many from this congregation are there. And we'll be reunited with family members and friends. Father, I pray for each and every person in here. That we would take these basics that I've shared today. And walk out of here thinking about Thinking about the forgiveness, the power, the, uh, the abundance of your life here in this world. Your will and all those things that go along with it. Father, for your spirit, your mind, your peace, your glory. We look forward to seeing you move and work in our hearts. Give us traveling mercies as we leave here tonight. As we go to work. we see another sunrise. Fill us with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.